It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine Country brought to you by Bottle Barn. Dan Berger here, of course. Our guests today are Ryan Pritchard, winemaker at Three Sticks. We love Three Sticks. And Mike Barber, winemaker from Barber Cellars. Uh, Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. We're going to start out what? And we got one more guy in the studio. He met me outside. Oh, you know him. What's his name? (laughs) He's not wearing a name tag, nor do I see a backstage pass. No, he's got the Bottle Barn hat on. Exactly. It is Barry Herbst from Bottle Barn, of course. Thank you, uh, Harry. I can't see him with these. He's there. He's handicapped. You can't see see through the clear acrylic divider. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) The COVID barriers. Thank you. Glasses on. Uh... All right, we're going to start, as we often do, with a uh, wine from Dan's cellar, his amazing wine cellar. Uh, What year is this? 2010, Wente Riesling from Arroyo Seco. And uh, Wente have been, they've been making, the family has been making Riesling for probably forever. Um, This is a little sweeter than I usually uh, put in the cellar. Way too sweet for me. I don't like it. It's a little (laughs) little too sweet. It's probably got about 25 grams of sugar, but it's balanced by good acidity. It's a nice wine. It's got some really nice characteristics. The problem for me is that I probably lost it for an extra three years. Three years ago, this would have been a little brighter, a little bit more fruit forward. Nice wine, but... No thanks. I I missed it. It's... (laughs) Apple Steve, cider on the is yeah. what I get. It's yeah. an apple cider. Yeah, it's it's like, a hard cider. Yeah, it's like it's like cider. Yeah, nice yeah. wine. I like it. <laughs> Take it home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of us want it. <laughs> you can have it. Uh, let's get uh, Ryan Pritchard's take. Well, you know, I, I I thought that the the nose was was better than the uh, palate. Yeah. I, 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 I was intrigued by the nose, and then yeah. yeah, it was just a little bit a little bit oxidized, a little bit past its prime, but but fun nonetheless. Mike Barber, I mean, I think you pushed it a little far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you lose a few bottles, you know. It's uh, <laughs> it's rare. I mean, it's floral. It doesn't yeah. have that brightness anymore. Um, it tastes okay. Okay. Well, it okay. helped. It was, it was helped by the fact that it had a screw cap, uh, and that helped uh, to keep it uh, from being, you know, completely gone. Although I, I, I would think that about five years of bottle age would have benefited this wine. So this would have been better in 2015, and I never got around to drinking it. And I got a lot of, I got a lot of dry riesling in my cellar, and this was a little sweet. So we'll, we'll as see. it is, I think it would be a good hot weather drink. Yeah. 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 Chill it down, I, I, chill it way down. Yeah, and, yeah. A, r- a real lot. And they're still making <laughs> freeze it. Yeah, we're talking about 130 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Then I might go Get for it. to slushy. Well, uh, Ryan right. has a uh, at least one three sticks Chardonnay. So let's drink some good wine. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dan. A time machine will come in handy for you one day, right? <laughs> You mean to go forward or back? To go back three years. years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the can nose. Use some of the wines to go forward. <laughs> the nose on this three stick shard. Unbelievable. Well, the secret to these wines is cool climate. Oh, yeah. Good gracious. That's good. Now, that's wine. Steve's in his happy place. Send it our way. Thank you. Uh, Again, our guests, Ryan Pritchard, winemaker at Three Sticks, Mike Barber, winemaker at Barber Cellars. Let's begin with Three Sticks. Great to have 
the folks back from Three Sticks, uh, one of my favorite places. And Ryan, you got a great story. I mean, hell, you were you grew up in Northern California, uh, but you really got into wine in New York as a student at Cornell. I did. You know, yeah, talk about we're, that. We're talking Riesling here. That's uh, that's Riesling country over there. That's that was one of actually one of my first uh, memories of wine was. We take a class. There's a class that uh, Cornell puts on through the hotel school that uh, pretty much all of the seniors take, and it's a wine appreciation class. And we get to taste wines every week uh, in 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 lecture. And uh, it's a pass fail class. It's the most failed class at Cornell. Um, <laughs> but people take it seven or eight times. Right. To fail, right? <laughs> if you're smart, yeah. I remember studying for a test and, and you know drinking a. It was a dry Gewurz from Trimbach and just kind of it opened my eyes to wine um, and growing up in Northern California knowing the you know, the, the wine country we have up here and knowing what, what I had back at home it was something that really sort of piqued my interest and I kind of fell in love with wine as a consumer to start um, I went and worked for a, uh, a consulting company in technology and spent 10 years doing that but my love was always wine it was uh, all my free time was spent learning about wine and, and going and visiting wine uh, regions and eventually decided I was ready to give that all up and start as an intern and and make some wine and you've been winemaker at Three Sticks since 2015, and of course you work alongside one of my favorite people, the director of winemaking there, Bob Cabral. Absolutely. In fact, that was my first foray into wine was with Bob over at William Selliam. So what a I, dude he is. Yeah, oh, it's such a such a great great experience. Such a great guy. You know, learned a ton, and am still learning to this day uh, from him. He's. Uh, uh, really, a, a Pinot Noir pioneer. So uh, lucky to lucky to have his ear and palate and um, all that by our side. Dan, we got to get Bob back in. It's been a while. Next week, he's on. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> you ask and you shall receive. <laughs> did, did you jump in that time machine and go back and invite him? You Harry, you got it right. <laughs> it's a little frightening when Dan Berger is reading your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little queasy about that. Uh, but talk about the history of Three Sticks, Ryan, because you guys have been doing some amazing things, and and it's a, a beautiful place in Sonoma. Yeah. It's, you know, Three Sticks, uh, Three Sticks started back when uh, Bill Price uh, really started when he purchased the Durrell Vineyard uh, out in Sonoma, and this historic vineyard that had been producing, you know, providing uh, grapes for, for uh, great wines over the years, um, since the 70s, really. And, you know, Ed was looking to sell, and, and um, Bill Price was interested in, in um, purchasing the vineyard and s- sort of continuing its legacy on, and, and it did that. And so he bought it in uh, 1997, and then in 2002 decided, you know, I'm going to make a little bit of wine off this, off this ranch myself, and, you know, started with the barrel of Pinot and 2002 and then it went to two and it went to three and so over the years it's slowly grown um and over those years we've continued to look for some of the best vineyards out there and um we're lucky enough to have gaps crown which we'll we'll be tasting today which was uh another sort of property that uh, we were able to to purchase in 2012 and have been developing vineyards throughout sonoma county really one of our goals is to um develop and and 
you know, um, farm these vineyards, some of the, the best vineyards from all of Sonoma County. You know, that's so often you have a, a, a vineyard and a winery on that vineyard, and that is what is made there, uh, the, the wines from that vineyard. Well, we have the luxury of having these vineyards all throughout Sonoma County. We've got, you know, one in Sonoma. We have one in the Petaluma Gap with Gap's Crown. We have Sonoma Mountain, uh, the far Sonoma Coast up at Wallala and Russian River property. So um, it's, a, it's really a luxury to be able to, to source from all of these different vineyards and um, create sort of exceptional single vineyard wines from them. And, um, and some of the fun ones are also putting together the blends, the Sonoma Coast blends that we are able to put together from those, uh, from those great vineyards. Bill Price the third. That's yes. where the name comes from. Billy Excuse Three me. Sticks. Sorry. <laughs> Three Sticks. Uh, I might as well go home. Yeah, really, you know. And don't bring any crappy wine in anymore. <laughs> Harry John Duke the Third. And that's where the Three Sticks comes from. Bill Price the Third. And they used to call him Three Sticks because the, the Three Sticks. Yeah, Bill, Bill growing up, his surfing buddies got a hold of his, his license and saw Bill Price the Third and you know, it wasn't super common to have uh, such uh, such things at the end of your name, so they started calling him Billy Three Sticks, and, and still do today. When he goes out and catches a wave out there, he'll he'll still hear uh, his buddies calling him Billy Three Sticks out from the uh, from the break. All right, Dan's promised he's not going to bring any more crappy wine in, so <laughs> I'm going to let him talk now. <laughs> give well, us give us your thoughts on Three Sticks. Well, first of all, the brand itself is brilliant because. Uh, Mr. Price decided he was going to hire only really high-quality winemakers, and that was a really intelligent decision because he already had the best fruit uh, in uh, in this area. Not only was he the owner of Durrell, but after he acquired uh, a Petaluma Gap vineyard called Gap's Crown, he had the, the crowning jewel of uh, cool climate uh, wine growing, and that was really what uh, allowed him the... Uh, intelligent decision to hire Bob Cabral, who has already proven himself over at William Selium and with uh, various, you know, most people think of William Selium as a Pinot Noir house, but they make a lot of wine, a lot of different kinds of wine, including Chenin Blanc, of all things. And uh, Bob did a brilliant job of establishing a style, and then, of course, then Ryan came along, and this stuff is just fabulous. This Chardonnay is just really, really top quality. What year is this, Ryan? This is a 2019. Okay. Pretty amazing. Three Sticks Wines. ThreeSticksWines.com. Barry, your thoughts on this wine? I love this wine. Barry? We sell quite a bit of it, actually. I don't know Barry. Who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm the new intern. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm a big fan of these wines. Pinot and I don't think I can choose between the two. We do really well with both. Both the uh, Price Family Vineyard and Gap's Crown are the two in the rotation most often but we take whatever we can get uh, this is lovely the secret Thank to you. this wine is how good the acidity yeah, is. i don't say the word lovely very, <laughs> very often but i do on this show because that's what that's, this is uh, dan i'd like to see this with some food this is delicious stuff and it's got great acidity 
Yeah, this is this wine is is one of the wines that we really think caters best with food. It's uh, it's got bright acidity, great minerality. Uh, these are Dijon clones, so most of our other Chardonnays that that we produce are from the Wenty clone. And so, um, out at Gap's Crown, it's a cooler site, and um, you know, originally was planted to two Dijon clones for the purpose of being able to you know make sure they get ripe out there. Um, and they they do, um, and it's but it's uh, just a, it's a different profile. It's it's a little more, you know, Chablis like than it is sort of California uh, Chardonnay. This it has a, a beautiful minerality, and um, it's one that that you know we we often see out at restaurants um, pairing just wonderfully. We it, it's so versatile. So pair it with a meal. Oh. Uh, Oysters, any grilled fish. Um, I love it with like a halibut. Um, it's just like a, a light sort of flaky fish. Um, but I've, you know, it's it's like I said, it's super versatile. You can you can have it with uh, even sort of grilled, lightly grilled, lighter meats as well. Um, I think it'd go great with uh, trout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Gorgeous stuff. Love trout. Love this wine. It is uh, Ryan Pritchard, winemaker at Three Sticks Wines. And also with us today, Mike Barber, the winemaker at Barber Cellars. Mike, welcome. Thank you. Good to meet you. Give us the story of Barber's Cellars. I know it's a family winery, right? Uh, Very family. Just me and my wife, basically. Very few employees. And uh, we kind of the polar opposite. We didn't start with much money at all. We've been making wine now for uh, 15 years and just slowly growing and growing and growing. Um, tasting room in the heart of Petaluma and downtown, uh, but we barely make 1,500 cases of wine, all single vineyard stuff, most wow. of it estate grown. Um, I farm about 12 acres of grapes, and that's it, but that's enough. And. Uh, now the tasting room is actually inside the Petaluma Hotel. Correct? Yeah, our our winery is a, is a very non romantic little warehouse uh, in the heart of town. So our tasting room is actually in the Hotel Petaluma, a much more romantic place to kind of enjoy our wines and, and everything. Wow! Does so, that interior location kind of hide you from the general public? Uh, we actually like to think of it more as a partnership with the hotel because okay. the interior entrance to the tasting room is right next to the elevator. So we get a lot of flow. And uh, nowadays, I mean, it ended up being perfect because my distillery is right next door to the tasting room. Yeah, so I have two downtown locations, the tasting room for my wine and my vineyards, and then right next door our distillery where we make our, our whiskey and, and all that stuff. You and the name the of the, room too. the distillery again? Uh, Barber Lee Spirits. Yeah, okay, right. You can see the tasting room from the street too, so you don't have to actually go in the hotel to get. To so it. right, right. Yeah. We we do we have a street entrance and and, yeah, and fair convenient. enough visibility there. But okay. you know, you can come to downtown and experience my my whole micro booze empire. Yeah, <laughs> the spirit spot. <laughs> the spirit spot's been happening uh, last few times I was by there. Oh yeah, definitely got a good crowd there. Oh yeah, and uh, those are my two passions: wine and whiskey. Barber Cellars mm-hmm. at Bottle Barn, Barry. Yes, we do still have some. I think uh, we're probably due to re-up. I think we're down to just bottles at this point. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're off and on. Uh, we, we, we make so little, most of it goes direct to consumer, and then mm-hmm. we handle wholesale 
ourselves. So actually, right. I think you brought the case yourself. You know, last yeah, time. hitting hitting the road and the pavement to hand sell it sometimes is too much of a time commitment, especially right now. I mean, my hands are are purple and scarred from harvest, and I can't even believe I have time to come down here right now. Mike, give us your history and how you wound up in the fabulous world of wine. So I always had a a, a passion for wine and. Uh, I I guess you could say I started, um, the hand of fate drove me to a big wine shop in San Francisco, and that's K&L that I worked out for a long time. Kind of started in the back, grew up through sales, grew into a buyer. That's That place started to send me all over the world to check out spirits and wine from all over. And then I started to pick the brains of um, just everyone I met, wine growers, winemakers. So, and, you know, the drive in me was to create something. So what I did was eventually um, from East Bay winemakers, they taught me all the chemistry. I started, we started living in San Francisco, co-oping uh, at a place in, in around Fairfield, Sioux Sun City. And I was working in the vineyards up in Dry Creek Valley with some guys that I knew and were bringing into the store who were starting to teach me viticulture and everything. And slowly, just through the years, you know, we established our own winery, our own tasting room. One by one, these properties that I was working with eventually said, hey, you just want to farm this stuff and take care of it? And I, and I said, yeah. So now, you know, two very non-rich people have a little winery with, with acreage, estate-grown wines, and uh, I feel very lucky that we were able to pull it all together. Well, again, welcome. Uh, you're the only non-rich person in this studio today. <laughs> uh, it's very intimidating. I had to. <laughs> uh, it's Mike Barber, winemaker and owner of Bar- Barber Cellars, barbercellars.com. And Ryan Pritchard is here, the winemaker at the fabulous Three Sticks Winery in Sonoma. Uh Mike, one of the things you highlight on your website is that you don't use pesticides at all, correct? You want to talk a little bit more about that? We don't. You know, I've tasted most of the of the great wines in the world and talked to a lot of people and tasted ins and outs and the kind of vineyards that are more hands-off and the kind of wineries that are more hands-off. And in my experience, those were always the best wines. And the wines grown biodynamically or, or organically, you know, always are the ones that tend to do better even in off years, you know, from what I tasted. So that kind of ethos for the earth um, is, is something we're really into. So, you know, I have a cousin in Virginia who comes out here and hears me talk about, oh, there might be frost or, oh, we might be done. And he's like, man, what we have to deal with in Virginia, I don't want to hear you California boys complain about anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. We have to spray for it. Uh, it's so easy to grow organically out here. And you know what? He's right. If you know what you're doing, you can get it done. And now we're in this big drought. Um, most of my vineyards are dry farmed. And the ones that have been dry farmed for a long time know exactly what to do. They're the ones getting through it the best. Yeah. Vines are incredibly self-protective, and they know what to do in times of stress. Right, exactly. As long as you train them that way yeah. and, and you give them the experience. Yeah. And um, so, you know, nowadays in the wine industry, it's almost like, why are we doing more to achieve less? If you can do less, if you can spray less and still achieve better results then do that. Yeah, makes sense. And the, uh, the argument, of course, is that the best vi- uh, fertilizer for a vineyard are the f- uh, footprints of the winemaker. <laughs> and that, uh, by farming organically, 
and biodynamically, you've got to be out there. Oh, I mean, you got to do the work. You got, I'm, I'm whacking weeds all the time, and that's that's the drawback. It's it's a little bit more labor intensive, but I mean, you could do it. You just have to have the systems in place to accomplish it. California Wine Country with Dan Berger, featuring Ryan Pritchard of Three Sticks and Mike Barber of Barber Cellars. The California Wine Country is brought to you by Bottle Barn, and sitting right next to me at this very second is Mr. Bottle Barn, Barry Herbst. <laughs> Barry, what's oh, going on this week at Bottle Barn? Well, uh, right now, Harvest Fair is dominating the store. It's kind of edged out the uh, rosés in the middle of the store. All the big winners are there. Uh, best of class, sweepstakes, double gold, gold medal winners. Uh, that is the hot ticket right now, but we still have plenty of rosé. It's a rosé uh, year-round nowadays, so we always keep a decent amount uh, in the store. And then I bought a number of cellars lately, so there's some fun old wines that are uh, sitting out in a, like a cellar area. We've created kind of a makeshift display area, so that's pretty fun. And a lot of winemakers are in there geeking out on those. So, And I have been a purchaser of some of those old uh, cellared wines, including one bottle that I never ever thought I'd see again. You had a, a Rutherglen musket in that box. Oh, right, right. <laughs> and those wines are impossible to find. And I found, I grabbed it and took it home. <laughs> it's great, great stuff. Yeah, it's but, always interesting to go through this. So. Is that where you put the hidden treasures and surprises that you found? Yeah, over the it's kind of like a grab bag thing. <laughs> nice. you know, a Cracker Jack box, see what the prize is. So. But people, uh, yeah, uh, they're pulling out some really cool things out of there, going back to the 80s, 90s, and um, even you know, uh, 2010, 2016, even recent stuff there, but stuff you haven't seen in a long time. So, And give our folks location and hours where they can go check those wines out. So we are 3331 Industrial Drive, Santa Rosa, Unit A, and we are 10 to 6 daily, uh, seven days a week. And your website? is bottlebarn.com there you go Easy. folks check it out bottlebarn.com mm-hmm. rejoining the conversation with my excuse me ryan pritchard of three sticks and mike barber of barber sellers ryan uh, talk about the tasting experience that folks can expect when they visit three sticks absolutely so yeah we have a uh, a beautiful tasting room right off the square in the downtown sonoma um, it's called the Adobe, and it's a building that was built in 1842. So it's actually the second oldest uh, residence um, in the town of Sonoma. So um, real old uh, old Adobe, original Adobe building, um, and it's been sort of uh, you know uh, brought back to life. And um, it's really kind of we we like to think of it as a uh, as a home, you know, and and you're tasting wine. Um, in our home, we do sit-down tastings and um, and really kind of want to share that experience with you. We call it sort of person-to-person engagement. You know, we want to – wine is not just something to be consumed and uh, with your arm outstretched at a, at a you know, a, a tasting – in a tasting room. We want to sit down, um, have conversation, talk about the wines, talk about the history, and, uh, and really kind of uh, immerse ourselves in that experience. And so – that's what we do. Yeah. Are you fully open now? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I mean, we we have uh, we can do reservations. Um, we have a couple of sit down tastings a day, uh, every day, and it's yeah, it's sometimes hard to hard to get a reservation on the weekends. Yeah. But uh, if you plan out in advance, uh, it's certainly a, a great experience and something uh, a wonderful way to both get a little bit of uh, California history and uh, and some great wine and and be right sort of central to. Um, to the restaurants and all that Sonoma downtown Sonoma has it's to a offer. Great building, I know Bill put a lot of 
money and effort into keeping that, you know, true to history. And uh, gorgeous property. It's amazing. Yeah. And for folks looking to get uh, more detailed information, check out their website, threestickswines.com. Now, uh, Mike of Barber Cellars, we talked about where the tasting room was, which is inside the historic Petaluma Hotel, but we didn't talk about the experience. What can folks experience when they visit you? So, yeah, the Hotel Petaluma just underwent uh, recent renovations. It's an old 1920 hotel, so... Uh, even that's uh, uh, pretty awesome to see. But we're in a corner of the hotel, and it's just a real intimate, uh, casual space to enjoy our wines. I've always had the thought that our wines are super small production, a nod to old world production, mostly estate grown. You know, I, I like to think of them as, as world class, but the tasting experience, I always wanted to take the pretension out of any wine. I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. So it's a tasting of all of our wines, but, you know, we have classic. A video game machine and some games and you know it's uh, to what uh, Ryan was talking about uh, sit down tasting rooms were always my favorite so it's about sitting down uh, reservations recommended but not required and we highlight all local cheese makers I mean we even make some grilled cheese sandwiches so super casual you know even recently we were inspired by this book we read called uh, Big Macs and Burgundies and so now in the tasting room we're offering this this super fancy paired tasting with everyday snack foods like yeah, potato great. chips and popcorn, perhaps, Dan? Would that be go. a nice addition? Hey, our, our I brought favorites. some if you want it okay. in the back. <laughs> our Barbera with Parmesan goldfish is a revelation. That's a big one. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, that's a very comfortable space. I've been there a couple of times. Very open and uh, really enjoyable. And your hours there? We're open Thursday through Sunday, um, 1 to 7. We do everything. I mean, my my baby was strapped to my wife's back sorting grapes recently, so we're we're busy, busy people. We are sampling a Pinot Noir right now, correct? Absolutely. Tell us about it. Yeah. So this is uh, so you know this is a, a the theme that we sort of brought in today was uh, was Petaluma Gap uh, and um, Gap's Crown for us in particular is the wine is the vineyard that we have out in the Petaluma Gap, and so. We first tasted a Chardonnay and uh, wanted to, to sort of back it up with the Pinot Noir, which is probably what, what Gap's Crown is more famous for uh, in, in, these, in these regions. Um, you know, there's, uh, it's probably about 75% of the vineyard is planted to Pinot, so uh, that's probably what most people know Gap's Crown for and see out, uh, out uh, at wine shops and in and so wanted to bring that, you know, I love this wine. This wine is uh, almost always one of my favorites. That It's so consistent. Um, it always delivers. You always can, uh, can count on some just great blue fruits, um, great tannins. You know, the, the, the Petaluma Gap uh, and, and what we see out at Gap's Crown, we see that, that fog rolling in nice and early in the afternoon. Uh, we see that wind kind of coming through and toughening up those skins which allows us to get that that great extraction that great um that great tannin profile that comes from these wines and um i think that's what what makes petaluma gap special and what makes gap's crown special is just that 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 wind and fog that comes uh, barreling through pretty consistently almost every day and um uh shuts those vines down at night nice and early so they get really long hang time um and uh, it Year in and year out, you can have a hot year, uh, and that that fog really kind of um, 
tempers that heat. You know, you you might re- it, it could be a hundred degrees uh, in, a little bit more inland, and you get out to Gap's Crown, and uh, you'll see a, a good ten, fifteen degree difference um, just because of the the influence of the fog and that wind. Dan, you were furiously scribbling notes during that. I uh, am. Tell us, <laughs> share them with us. So your thoughts on this wine? I think uh, Petaluma Gap is one of the finest uh, Appalachians in America for Pinot Noir and also for Chardonnay, although it doesn't represent an awful lot of Chardonnay. But the most important part about why Petaluma Gap is so good for Pinot Noir is that it's a very, very young appellation. It's only been, what, three years or so since you got the approval for from the government. But the difference really between Russian River Valley and Petaluma Gap is that if you want to make a comparison, if you now this is really a stretch of imagination, but... If you want to make a comparison between the Pinot Noirs from one region to the other, you're getting more Cote de Bone from Russian River Valley. And here you've got Cote de Nuit. This is a whole different style of wine, but it's also as, as fabulous as the Russian River Valley Pinot Noirs are, so is this. But this one is a little bit more time sensitive. You need to put this in the cellar for a year or two before you can get to the flavors you're going to get earlier on in the Russian River Valley. So the difference between them is just style. That's all. Dan, you've enjoyed some of the wine. Your thoughts? Barry, you've enjoyed some of the wine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big fan of Petaluma Gap wines, and there's some pretty amazing Syrah coming out of there as well from uh, Armagh, Clary Ranch. I've had great bottlings. And there's people in the store all the time specifically looking for Petaluma Gap wines just because they found their style in that, the restraint, uh, the the cool climate qualities uh, that you don't always get in the Russian River wines. uh, And they have their own following for different reasons. Yeah, there's more strawberry in Russian River Valley. There's more Olali berry coming out of uh, Petaluma Gap. And the Gap's Crown Vineyard is, what, about 85 acres or thereabouts. And it's a big, big property. And the interesting part about that is that every single plot is fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Have these been picked now, Ryan, uh, this year, the Gap's Crown? Yeah, we yeah. we just we just brought them in a couple weeks ago, so mm-hmm. we're all in. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's always – it's actually really an interesting vineyard where – Stuff on the lower slopes there at the very, you know, right off of, uh, right off the road there, right off Roberts Road, uh, it's, it's a little bit earlier. And then as you kind of work your way up, um, it just gets a little bit later and a little bit later. Right. Um, and, um, you see that, and you see that influence pretty, pretty drastically and pretty quickly in that. That wind is pretty aggressive up there. Absolutely. Mm. Mike, your thoughts on a competitor's wine? Uh, I like it. It shows some good fruit. Um, it shows kind of that structure that 2019 has. Um, uh, you know, the Gap gives you that nice acidity and Gap's crown. I mean, Gap's crown is Gap's crown. I mean, it uses it very, very well. So you get that, like, hint of earth and that nice brightness and that, that the, the good dark fruits that you know will age for, for a period of time. And uh, I think it's great. It's, it's rough going up against it right now. We're following uh, Gap's crown. <laughs> uh, how has harvest been for you this year? I mean, I got the purple hands and the scars to, to show that it's underway. I mean, it's always brutal, but uh, the drought this year makes things really difficult. We brought our Pinot Noir in um, uh, three weeks ago or so, and uh, uh, yield was light. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're looking at 
uh, a lighter crop. Um, I'm just glad that I that I got anything. There's some vineyards around. You know, you talk about great vineyards, Griffin's Lair, Azaya, and Petaluma. They didn't get any crop at all. Mm-hmm. And the the effect of the drought is is felt all over. Um, I will say that even though 2021 is a light yield, uh, by the numbers, it's textbook perfection. I mean, small berries, which will give you really intense flavors. The acidity, the sugar levels were all maintained by really cold nights. Um, the wines that we're going to get from 2021 are fantastic. There just won't be a lot of it. That's the common refrain we've heard, is that the yield is down, but the quality is excellent. Yeah. yeah. Same thing at Three Sticks? Yeah, and, and, you know, the thing for us with 2021 was we saw it was very dependent. You know, because we have vineyards throughout Sonoma County, we saw it very dependent on site. We had some sites that had um, great yields this year. Uh, and then we had others where we were down 30 40%. And so what we saw was we saw this really long flowering period and long set. Like the, It just seemed to go on and on forever. And so depending on where your where that vineyard was in that cycle uh you know if if you hit a cooler section uh, when when you were in flowering then you know your yields maybe not so good and if uh, if it was a little bit warmer where you were during that long period um so i i totally agree i think that to me the hallmark of this this vintage is going to be the acidities um you know sugars were there early and it was i think everyone almost freaked out a little bit because you know sugars were there and if you were only going picking on sugar you'd you'd say well this this is this might be ready to go but um you they needed more time they needed they needed that acidity i mean i love acidity in in grapes and and that's probably the the thing i pick on more than i do on sugar but they just they were you know 3.0 ph they weren't even even uh, ready to ready to go Talking about our Appalachian, the big thing is uh, one thing that really makes Petaluma special is the incredibly cold nights. So we can creep up there in temperature during the day, but it can, it can be 95 degrees. It'll it'll drop down to 40, you know. Before, and that holds the acidity really well. That makes yeah. the grape sugars recede back in, and it holds the the ripening and really delays things, so which add to extra flavor. And you know, I was panicking because some of my Russian River friends were posting time to harvest in like September first, and I'm, I went, "Oh my God, I haven't checked. What is it ready? Is it here already?" You know, and I go out there and run and check numbers, and like he was saying, I'm like, "Oh no, we got we got three more weeks to go. It's okay." <laughs> All right, we've got one more wine to taste. Wrapping up California Wine Country on your Wednesday drive. Uh, California Wine Country is always sponsored by the fine folks at Bottle Barn. Joining Dan Berger and I is Ryan Pritchard of the Three Sticks Winery and Mike Barber of Barber Cellars. We are nothing if not fair here on California Wine Country. <laughs> we sampled a Three Sticks Pinot Noir earlier. We're going to finish off with a Barber Cellars Pinot. Uh, Mike, tell us about this wine. So, yeah, this this vineyard here, I just, I don't know. I brought it in at Petaluma Gap Tasting, and, and we care a lot about this vineyard. But this is a little half-acre vineyard, uh, West Petaluma, pretty close to downtown, but more on the west side. Um so very small production. I make two barrels of wine from this site, but that's kind of how Barber Cellars gets down. You know, we, we make very small production, single vineyard stuff. I was intrigued by this vineyard because it's planted all to uh, Latoche clone Pinot Noir. You see a lot of Dijon clone. I don't know how, how technical and I can get on the show, but, but Dijon clone kind of is everywhere. Um, uh, this little guy had some kind of connection to the briefcase clones smuggled in from the Archery Summit guys and then kind of <laughs> distributed by the Joseph Phelps guys when they were planting Freestone. They planted this little vineyard, and I was intrigued Wasn't this by a the- Tom Cruise movie? <laughs> 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 
It's always intriguing to have a wine that's illegal. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but you were talking about earlier, like like the, the you've been talking about the forest floor notes, you know, here mm-hmm. in the studio and stuff. And this this varietal doesn't give me the super sharpness that some Dijon clone can, but it gives you that kind of kind of kind of lick in a wet stone, kind of that mossy kind of feel underneath all the kind of the darker fruit. Um, and I'm intrigued by it, you know. So that's whoa. Okay. I almost spilled it. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, your thoughts on this wine? Well, I think there's a trace of uh, uh, dried nutmeg in the after note and the aroma, but it also comes through in the finish, too. And I think the most imp- intriguing thing is that the acidity in this wine is so powerful and so, um, I guess you'd call it minerally or something. So the wine really des- deserves about five more years in the bottle, at least. And uh, you wouldn't ever say five years on most Russian River Valley Pinot Noirs because the, the fruit component is usually a little bit more aggressive than that. Here the wine is really slightly more uh, reticent, and it shows it in the finish. It, the, the, the flavors are fabulous, but I would buy a few bottles and put it in the cellar for a while.